You're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hello, friends. You're in for a treat with this show today. I've got Emmanuel Paris back. Emmanuel also goes by Coach Pal or just Pal. One of the reasons I really appreciate listener feedback is because if I get a chance to sit down again with someone who you and I both enjoyed the first time we had him on, I'm going to invite them back when I'm in their part of the world. And that's what happened here. I was in Mexico brought my podcasting equipment with me, well, all except the boom arm, which holds the microphone in place. So you may notice three or four times where it sounds like somebody's bumping the table. (laughs) Anybody remember Kid and Play? If you're old enough to remember the movie House Party that Kid and Play did in the late 80s, Martin Lawrence, this is prior to him becoming famous, he was DJing at the house party. And there was this guy, Chill, who kept bumping the table. And so when he would bump the table, the music would stop, and Martin Lawrence would get pissed and say, yo, Chill, man, stop bumping the table. (laughs) So that's what I'm reminded of. But if you can get past the noise our mics make a few different times, I believe you're in for a treat. And that's because Powell is a wealth of knowledge about good health and fitness and good nutrition and health span, which of course is different than lifespan. Pow and I talk about avoiding gut health issues, how he thinks about working out in your 40s. We talk about sugar intake, how he considers food to be energy, how much he spends on monthly stays at Airbnbs. We talk about sprinting, Balco, Bryce Harper, whether working out prior to puberty stunts your growth, learning a second language before or after puberty, and how that can make a difference in how you speak that second language for the rest of your life. You may find that interesting. We also talk about OnlyFans, both the creator side and the subscriber side. And then some deeper stuff toward the end, the importance of enjoying the moment, the transience of life, The fact that we'll most likely be forgotten after a few generations, which many people don't consider, but it's part of life. I should also point out that Powell was right and I was wrong. When he said Balco was was located in the Bay Area, I disagreed, but I was wrong. So if there's anything else I missed, please let me know. You should know how to get in contact with me by now. But if not, at man underscore overseas on Instagram. If you DM me there, I'll get back to you. Please enjoy my chat with Coach Pal. Pal, good to have you back, my man. Hey, thank you very much. This you is were, a delight. <laughs> we had fun last time. Yeah. You were 225 last time you were here. You're a beast of a man. What do you weigh now? <laughs> Surprised you didn't ask me that when I first saw you downstairs. Uh, yeah, we had breakfast and you piled about 
three helpings of an entree in one sitting. They even tried to charge me for the meal when it comes with the room. They were like, sir, you need to pay for your friend. I'm like, no, man, he's just here for one day. Um, I weighed, I think I'm either 238 or 240 right now. Okay, so you've gained, what, 13 pounds of blubber? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 13 pounds of blubber, fat. Some of it's muscle, probably like two or three pounds of it. But uh, I've been pretty good lately when it comes to nutrition, my training. Uh, I've been patient with a particular phase that I usually don't like to, to do, and that's like the bodybuilding phase, muscle growth, or technically hypertrophy phase. I usually don't like that because I'm not a huge fan of the pumps. I prefer like strength training, lifting very heavy, but... That can also be really taxing on the system, on the nervous system and on the joints. So I've taken a bit of a break from that. Did a lot of bodybuilding over the last like two and a half, three months. And it's paid off. (laughs) Do you do anything according to your age? Because I know you're 40 now, right? 41. 41. October 7. Do you think about your age relative to how you work out? Yeah. I. When I was younger, I I didn't always pay attention to the signals. (laughs) You know, I could work really hard and with, you know, what I'd like to call like limited, uh, t- or limited time recovery time between workouts. I could give you probably five or six really hard workouts in a row. Now I can give you two. So knowing that I just, you know, I'm paying attention to certain signs. Like if I'm really feeling beat up, uh, my nervous system or like a little bit too much like uh, soreness in the muscles, then I'm taking a day, sometimes two days off. You know, beforehand, I, I didn't always adhere to that kind of thing. You know, I was like, let's see if I can overtrain yeah. and then maximize on my recovery <laughs> in terms of sleep at night. So you could pass for 35. Do you, What do you think you'll look like at 50 or 55? Are you going to be as swole up, like be muscular looking as you are now? As the years go by, even though <laughs> it's like as the years go by, I care less and less about being big, <laughs> but I just end up getting bigger. <laughs> I'm really excited about preserving certain qualities like the ability to move really well to have less joint pain or none what none at all that stuff's really important that's the retirement plan i have a new message right now and that's strength is your retirement plan but i don't want people to misinterpret that that it's just get big and strong it's strength i'm talking also ranges of motion talking mobility and i'm talking you know including things like going out there playing sports There's a strength like byproduct from doing certain things like sprinting, you know, same thing with soccer, martial arts. And there's an awesome track. I don't know if you looked out the window. The track is right across the street here. It's like a soccer field that has a track around it. There's even a little pagoda where they do yoga and salsa classes. You ever partake in any of that? I was there last night. Not this, excuse me, not the classes, but I was just across the way a little further down is the calisthenics arena. Or pavilion. I was there last night working out. You do body weight stuff. Yeah, I actually just posted something today. I'm doing a a deadlift side lever. So that's like a human flag, but you start with your basically your legs are hanging, and you basically push yourself out into a flagpole. So that's at the real coach Powell on Instagram. P O W. I will see things that you post, like when you post hack squats. And then I will incorporate hack squats into my leg day workout. Okay, you're showing me deadlift side lever. And then you have it in Spanish, peso muerte, palanca lateral. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. So it's a lot of people jump into the flagpole or kick up into it. Mm -hmm. I can deadlift my body into it. 
What percentage of men that even work out regularly at 40 years old do you think could do that? Not Probably many. Like one or two percent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, I don't know that I could do yeah. that. I'd say at my body weight, yeah. I might be the only one because I'm 200, let's say 40 pounds, and it's not like I'm top heavy. Like it's spread out. A lot of times, these yeah, you're proportional. Folks calisthenics, they're they're massive upstairs, and then they have smaller lower bodies. Yeah, so. we talked about last time how you're an ass man because yeah. you have booty yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. <laughs> I got a little bit of ass to me, so I'm an ass man. That's how it works. Are you are you still spending three thousand a month on food? <laughs> yeah, I figured out what agrees with my gut. Last time I got sick quite a bit while mm. I was here. Mm-hmm. I've been here so far. I've been fine. No gut issues or anything. You think you've just mm-hmm. gotten acclimated to the food here? I just, I'm not eating out as much. I go to the grocery store and I'm picking up sweet potatoes or wild yams and a bunch of plantain, watermelon. Oikos has this coconut yogurt, really high in fats and a couple other things. I, I go crazy for those big avocados, mm-hmm. what I like to call the real ones. And That's I'm doing that fat. and the eggs and I'm keeping the weight on oats. You know, I get the Aveno. I do like an oat protein powder uh, shake with agave syrup. And I add every and anything to it just to make it hearty and heavy. I do those two to three times a day. And then my two or three meals that are massive. So you're That's not controlling for sugar at all? No. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So you could get 120 grams of sugar a day and it wouldn't bother you? Yeah. And that's because you're not concerned with putting weight on? No, not at all. Do you think sugar adds weight? The thing is this. I'm going to say that we need to start looking at energy. Like, it's just, think of food in terms of energy. Or we say Tesla, Nikola Tesla say, think of the universe in terms of energy, frequency. Take a look at food in terms of energy. That scale that we talk about, if you want to gain weight, you need to consume more energy than you're expending, right? You need the surplus, right? So that's where I am right now. Um, I'm making sure that I meet my protein intake and then after that i'm having fun and what's your you protein in, intake minimum? Uh, so my protein intake i'm getting in let's say like 210 to 200 anywhere from 210 to like 220 grams and of, uh, of protein how accurate are you able to gauge your intake so for example you just had two two huge plates of food downstairs with a lot of eggs yeah Do you i'll have say any that idea? actually wasn't that big <laughs> well, it, was, to what I, it was about five times what i ate but how many <laughs> eggs would you say you had eyeballing that because i do scrambled eggs at home i actually ate before <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> i ate before we came unreal <laughs> that was about like six eggs six to seven eggs okay yeah and how much protein is in an egg it's six grams are you still staying at airbnbs on a per month basis here when I came in, I said to myself, you know, I'm going to book an Airbnb, found one with a good price that looked really good. She said, I'll book it for a little bit longer than I need to find a quote unquote forever spot. <laughs> because I was under the impression you lived here, but you told me at breakfast that you just went home to Quebec. Is that, am I saying uh, no, it right? No, to, to Toronto. Oh, Toronto. I went to university in Quebec, but I went back to Toronto. That's where the family is. I was living in Edmonton, Alberta for 13 years, which oh. is Western Canada. If you were to fly into Calgary, you would drive about an hour and a half, two hours to get to the mountains. If you went northeast from Calgary, yeah. you would two yeah. hour, two and a half hours, you'd hit Edmonton? Yeah. It must be so incredibly cold. Yes. Seven months of winter. It's very familiar every winter to experience like minus 30s. 
Wow. Yeah. Like you'll so you get don't some cold snaps. Do you? No, you go outside. You do? Yeah. It's crazy because like you hear stories about how it gets cold in let's say it's like New York or even I don't know. I remember like it snowed in Texas. <laughs> somewhere in Texas and like they shut the city down. <laughs> oh, if it gets to be thirty two degrees, we, yeah. we don't have school that day. Yeah. And you get used to it. But then I got to the point where I thought to myself, like, especially with my business and just with my lifestyle and everything, it just doesn't make sense to be there. Why you know, would I'm people for move there? seven months? Money. The oil sands in yeah. Fort McMurray. There's other positions in oil sands in like a, a place called Fort Saskatchewan. That's uh, I think forty five minutes from the city of Edmonton. So people get go there for money. So your parents worked in that industry? No. So how'd you end up there? I moved there? out there from Toronto. For money? To go to the Olympics. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So my coach moved from Toronto to Edmonton, Alberta uh, to spearhead like this major coaching education center. If you were sponsored by Nike, this was the guy who was drafting the contracts and all that stuff. He was kind of PR and I don't know what is he did everything. His name was Kevin Tyler. And he, yeah, he left Nike, moved to Edmonton to start the Canadian Athletics Coaching Center. And the goal of this this place, this facility was to raise the level of coaching education amongst the coaches to hopefully in turn trickle down to the athletes to have athletes performing at a higher level. And about a couple months in, he decided, you know what, it's not in my contract, but I'm going to start coaching. Actually, I don't think he was supposed or allowed to coach. And he was like, why would we have this facility and not show what we can do? So he brought in, he recruited one of the biggest talents in the 400 meters, brought him in. And within a year, this kid was like number three in the world from like being like, you know, maybe top 30 or 40 in the world to number three in the world. Boom. That just set it off. He brought in another athlete, a 400 meter hurdler, Adam Kunkel. Same thing. Adam Kunkel beat the world champion in the 400 meter hurdles. Then he brought in Carlene Muir, a 400 meter hurdler. Then it was myself and a few other athletes. So we had a really strong stable of athletes out in Edmonton. Nobody really liked Edmonton like that at the time because we were imagine. all from another city. So we all get there and it's like either culture shock or whatever, but it was a great place because there's no distractions other mm. than the largest mall in North America. It was in Edmonton. Bigger than the one in Minneapolis? I think that one's bigger now. That mm. That's the biggest one in... North in America. North America. Mall of America. I believe called. it's owned by, I believe it might be the same family. Huh. The Grimesians. Yeah. So Edmonton was good. We got to spend most of our winters snowboarding in the U.S. So we did a lot of Scottsdale, uh, Arizona training camps, Claremont, Florida training camps, training camps like California. So which is really cool. That is cool. Yeah. So when you go up there, or let's say when you went back to Canada recently, do you yeah. get Airbnbs there too? Or stay yeah. with family? Yeah, Airbnbs. Like, I do the family thing, but it's like getting your own space. I don't want to, I'm on my own schedule. Yeah. So, yeah. And what I did you- spend some time, actually, I did stay with my mom for a few days because she was like, why do you keep going to these Airbnbs? Like, just come stay with me, you know? So, that really bonded with my mom like that. So, it was actually good. We, they, cool. we needed that. She washed your clothes for you? Uh, yeah, actually, she did. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> She did. <laughs> I, I figured there was an upside. She's like, where's your laundry? Mm-hmm. And I was already planning on doing it myself. Oh, yeah. But it was cool. I got to eat, like, her food. You know, I swear, like, that's what made me this way. She wasn't a fan of white bread and this and the, the Dunkaroos and all the snacks that the kids had at school. I had all, like, my mom's baking, liverwurst sandwiches, like, stuff like that. Wow. You know, it was, like, all healthy meals. 
a lot of times I was like, if she hears this, I was like throwing away food at times. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't eat this. Hiding it? Yeah, We're yeah. spreading it out on the plate like yeah. a three-year-old. <laughs> Kids are getting like white bread with peanut butter and Nutella sandwiches <laughs> or peanut butter jelly sandwiches. I didn't get those. <laughs> you know? Even like, as a kid? Did you eat that kind of stuff as a kid? No. No? no. You've always eaten healthy? Yeah, my mom was making like, my mom's like an amazing cook and she bakes like no one else's business. <laughs> so that's the stuff that we were getting. You know, she's using like rare flowers to like to make uh, desserts and stuff like healthier, healthier options. Hmm. And then she was you look in her pantry, like the all the, the herbs and stuff that she had and like the nettle, nettle leaf and the dandelion root and this and that and everything herbal, hmm. you know, tough time sleeping, valerian root, you know, uh, stomach problems, ginger tea. What was the first thing you said for sleeping? Uh, valerian root. Valerian root. And yeah. what is that? Valerian root, it smells, it kind of has a really off smell. Uh, but it's basically, I don't know where it comes from, but it looks like tree bark mixed with like these little white specks. And oh, I love tree bark. Tell me sleep. more. Yeah. <laughs> and it helps you go to sleep. You That's know? great. How much sleep do you get a night? Oh, seven, eight, seven, seven eight, eight hours. Yeah. Okay. I like to usually head to bed around 930. 10 o'clock. I'm up by like five, six, sometimes seven. Speaking of sprinting, there's a Netflix documentary out now with Tim Montgomery and Marion Jones. Yeah. And they're featured. And I saw where Tim Montgomery's time in the hundred was like nine, seven, eight, something yeah, like that. Yeah, nine, seven, eight or seven, nine. Yeah. And that was probably 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. Has that since been that beaten? I'm not yeah. sure how long ago it was. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been beaten. It oh, has. Yeah, it's been so it's smashed. It's like the four minute mile. Once somebody goes under four yeah. minutes, like in the 1930s. After this, I'm going to go look up how many people have run. Like the world record's 958 now by Usain Bolt. Oh, my God. Eight seconds. Yeah. So I want to see how many people have run between, like, how many people have had performances between that 958 or 959 and 978. There's a lot. Really? A whole lot. And they're doing it naturally, you think? I like to think so. We all like to think yeah, so. Yeah, there's a kid um, out of Botswana, Let's Seal Tobogo. Mm-hmm. He's 19. And has he run 9.7? His performances in the 100 and 200 meters are insane. And he runs like Usain. Mm-hmm. Like he looks like he's not even trying. He's very young. I don't know if he's new to the sport, but I see that. I think he's going to be the next one. I think he'll break the world record in either one of the two events, 100 or 200 meters. When, but when you sprint, does it look effortless? My best races, yeah. Many races, no. They look like a ball of muscle running yeah. on the track. I always wonder if someone like Hussein Bolt, Hussein Bolt were to play tennis, would he be the best player ever? Or like Michael Jordan. Surely Michael Jordan, if he trained as much as Andre Agassi, could beat him at tennis, you would think. Right? So when athletes... Yeah. like. Was Usain Bolt sitting at home one day saying, this little guy runs the 100 and 978. What if I brought my tall yeah. ass out there to sprint 100 yards? I could beat it. Well, I don't know. Because the thing is, like, with sprinting, sprinting's. I don't know if I'm going to answer your question, but sprinting, you get chosen. Really? You're chosen okay. as a sprinter at mm. birth. And I'm pulling those words from some journalist I heard say this uh, covering the Olympics. Like, one, if you watch whatever like the 1988 games or whatever the this british announcer is like sprinters are born they are chosen at birth you know you know (laughs) so you can't just jump in 
So I think, I don't know if tennis is like that. I don't think it is. Well, how did you not end up being a running back? Yeah, environment. Okay. Like the school that I went to didn't have a football team. That makes sense. And uh, I joke around. My sister and I, like, we blame it on my mom <laughs> because she's, like, hard against, like, contact sports. She didn't like contact sports. I used to play football, like, just touch football in the schoolyard. And one of the kids who I went to elementary school with, I remember his name, Greg. His dad was a police officer. He'd always come to pick Greg up, and the dad would always look at me. Like, he'd see me playing football with the kids and a lot of times they'd say, we'll give the ball to EJ at the end because if we give it to him now, no one's playing. You know, because I would just get the ball and I'd run for a touchdown. So <laughs> Greg's dad met my mom one day and said, can I take your son to football? Like to play football, like put the gear on and all that. And she's like, no. She asked me at home if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yes, please, yes, please. And she was like, no, you're not doing that. You're going to get hurt, yada, yada, yada. So I never played football the high school that was right next to our where we lived had the best football team like in I think they had the best football team in I'll definitely say in Toronto well known for sports she said nope you're not going to that school she took me in the opposite direction to another school that was an academy that had like debate team chess team improvisation team and all of that we had soccer and stuff but it wasn't quite the same had I grew up playing football it would have been a different story <laughs> I think my body is made for that. And I like contact sports. Yeah, you look like a, a an NFL running back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I remember sitting across from Darren McFadden one time in an inter, at an Enterprise Rent-A-Car in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who is this Zeus-built yeah. species? Like, wh <laughs> where did he come from? He was all tatted up and he was on his cell phone and you couldn't understand what he was saying. And when he walked out, I said, who was that? And they said, Darren McFadden. Oh, wow. And I'm like, that is exactly what I would think an NFL running back looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. He was like probably 6'2", 240, if I oh, had to wow. guess. He was a beast of a man. He was taken fifth overall in the draft out of Arkansas. This was probably 2006, if I yeah. had to guess. But what a beast. He's a Razorback. Yeah. 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 He and Felix Jones, I believe, were there at the same time. Guy who played for the, yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember their... Um Darren, uh, wow, is it Metcalf? First name. Eric. Is it Eric? Eric Metcalf? Or there's a, a D DK Metcalf? Yeah, DK, DK. DK Metcalf. So he is like 6'2", maybe 230 or something, 235. And he ran, remember there was talks about how he was, he was like, he was one of the fastest NFL sprinters. Mm -hmm. One of the fastest guys in the NFL. He had mentioned that he could compete with sprinters, with elite level sprinters. So there was this back and forth between the community of sprinter and football player, and they ended up getting him into like a diamond league race. And he he ran well. He came fourth in the 100 meters against like the pros, fourth or fifth, and he ran 10.3 seconds untrained. Like, I mean, trained as a football player, but not as a sprinter. A lot of it is about acceleration, not so much about maximum velocity or fast upright running, unless you have a breakaway or you have that open space to run. You know, usually you're down kind of in an acceleration position, ready to hit someone or run through someone. We actually talked about that on the last episode. I was asking, why do you think there aren't as many breakaway runs the way that Bo Jackson could run 90 yards and yeah. score and go into the tunnel? Yeah. It seems like guys are always caught from behind nowadays. Yeah. Any yeah. idea why that might be? I don't watch enough football and I don't know enough about what's happening behind the scenes in terms of training. I've heard some things. 
like the speed of play at practice isn't the same. They're not hitting the same. And I take this from a company, I think they're McCloyd. They do GPS pennies. They put them on the players during practice. Then they have some GPS trackers on them in a game, different from the pennies. And they're finding that their peak accelerations and all of that, like how fast they hit top end speed or how fast they reach a peak acceleration and all of that stuff is significantly lower at training. Oh, I would but that, imagine. That was actually one of the reasons why more players are getting hurt in the game. It's because uh, the body's not conditioned to be moving that fast because mm-hmm. practice intensity is a little lower. Bang, hamstring tear, Achilles rupture. That makes so much sense. I mean, if you're practicing on a Monday afternoon, you have no adrenaline. And then just using myself as an example, if we played at LSU, talking baseball, in front of a crowd of 7,500, I would have loved for somebody to time me from home to first. Yeah, yeah. Because my adrenaline is sky high. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, my name is up on the scoreboard with my stats and everything where all these people can see. At practice on Monday afternoon, there's nobody in the stands. You have no adrenaline. Exactly. So that makes total sense. Yeah. So it's like getting players to, I mean, there's a guy out of BC. uh, He's a, uh, excuse me, out of British Columbia, Canada, Derek Hansen. He's a sprint coach, was trained by, or was a student of Charlie Francis, who was Ben Johnson's former coach, Mm. the Canadian sprinter who tested positive. I hate to say that. Canadian sprinter. I shouldn't say the other part. So many guys have an asterisk. If we're talking about the early 21st century, they have an asterisk, more than likely. Late 20th, (laughs) early 21st. Yeah. Your sport and mine, by the way. Oh, my Baseball. I mean, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Yeah, yeah. Barry Bonds was in the Balco Lab uh, manifesto or whatever as well. That's a great Netflix documentary if if listeners want to check it out. I have to check it out as well. I watched quite a bit when it was like unfolding, like Victor Conte, Balco Labs, in in the was it in the bay area or something i thought it was in miami so around that time i actually met marion jones and tim montgomery in person no shit they were in toronto at the york university i'm at the track working out with my coach we pushed our training time back from like we used to train at i think 9 30 on saturdays now we were going at 12 because there was less people there so i'm training and in walks i See, right away, I'm like, that's Marion Jones. What the hell is she doing in Toronto? You know, and then she walks in with Charlie Francis, and then I see Tim Montgomery. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And at the time, he was a world record holder. I'm just trying not to be fanboy or whatever, so doing my own thing. And they're training on the track. Charlie and my coach were friends. So I go over with my coach, and we're chatting with Charlie, and then Marion Jones and Tim are right there in front of me. You know, and they say hi. That's it. The following Saturday, they're there again. And this time, a buddy of mine calls me, who's a, uh, he was a distance runner. He had just left. And he calls to invite me over to his house. And I'm like, you wouldn't believe who's here again. Because I didn't tell him, you know, that they were there last week. I'm like, you wouldn't believe who's here. You know, when they were here last week, he goes, who? I go, Tim Montgomery and Marion Jones. Oh, my gosh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. So during the week, I guess the word had gotten out that they were in Canada or in Toronto. I go to the track and... My buddy calls me again and he says, hey, I saw the Toronto Sun. The reporters were at the track looking for Tim Montgomery, Marion Jones, but they weren't there. So I gave them your name and phone number so they can talk to you. In my head, I'm like, why would you do that? So I end up getting a call from them like a day or two later. And they're like, hey, are you Emmanuel Paris? Yes. So we hear that you saw Tim Montgomery and Marion Jones. 
at the track. And I'm like, yes, I did. And they're like, what were they doing? I'm like, they're training. I'm like, who are they training with? Charlie Francis. I'm like, okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Wasn't really thinking like what would happen next. The newspaper, boom. Emmanuel Paris, Richard Emmanuel Paris says he sees Tim Montgomery, Marion Jones at the track training with the infamous Charlie Francis. You know, apparently he wasn't supposed to be coaching mm. because of the whole, the drug scandal. So I go to the track after that was published. It was like a Friday, Saturday, I go to the track to train. And like this one coach is making fun of me. He's calling me Mr. NBC News. I felt so bad. I wouldn't say I was like raised by the streets, but you know, there's a certain code. It's like, you don't talk. And at the time I was just like, yeah, I saw them. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those stories. I remember I learned. I'm like, yeah, I really got to be careful. (laughs) Man, the Balco thing is so interesting because it's as though they concocted a clear substance that was undetectable. Yeah. And so if you put that in front of athletes who have the potential to sign a $100 million contract, the likes of Brady Anderson or Brett Boone, or even Bonds, when he saw what Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were doing, and he finds out that there's a clear substance that you can rub on your body that's undetectable. How many guys, if you said... Here's a 10, you can cheat with your wife, and there's a 100% chance that she will never find out. How many men would turn that down? Not many. I would. And you would. I was would. about to say, yeah, I would. I would turn but it down. But we're rare specimens. You physically, me, as just a coon ass from Thibodeau, Louisiana. <laughs> but oh my goodness. going back to what you were saying about DK Metcalf, it reminded yeah. me of the, the people who they projected to be stars, like Harold Miner. Do you remember him? They called him Baby Jordan. I, he might have oh, yeah. been in the slam dunk competition and impressed people. D Brown, nothing ever came of no. him. Uh, but the guys who did make it, who lived up to the hype, maybe even exceeded the hype, they were both on Sports Illustrated as 15 or 16-year-olds. LeBron James and Bryce Harper. It is amazing that they have lived up to the hype or exceeded the hype. Yeah. Unbelievable. But how many of those are there? You know, they're they're few and far between. Yeah. I mean, there was even a guy for the Packers. His name was Tony Mandolich, I think, Mm -hmm. where he was raised from birth to be an offensive lineman. Like his dad said, you're going to play in the NFL someday. What was the last name? he flopped. It was either Mandarich, Tony Mandarich, maybe. Okay. Oh, okay. That name rings a bell. But anyway, there's a lot of people that are designated at birth to yeah. be a professional. And I've always said that if I were to train my, if I were to have a son, if I were to train him to be anything, it would be like an NFL punter. Mm. Because how easy is yeah, that? Yeah. Like, hey, hey, Brad Jr., let's go outside and punt three times a week <laughs> and you'll at least get a college scholarship. There's nobody else that's yeah. punting three times a week yeah. from age three. That is true. I actually dated a girl in my 20s. Wait a second. Isn't there a movie? And Mark Wahlberg plays the character? I got to look this up because maybe I'm just... Speaking of Mark Wahlberg, well, I was going to go another direction, but I'll talk about Mark Wahlberg for a second. When he came out with the Good Vibrations video, you happen to remember that? It was in black and white. Yeah. And he was was lifting cinder blocks. Yeah. I went and bought dumbbells (laughs) because of that video and would get in the mirror every day and try to see my veins yeah. in my arms because Mark Wahlberg looked like that. I was going to look like Marky Mark. I was yeah, 11. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then they showed a beautiful girl having sex with him. Yeah. And I'm like, this is my idol. <laughs> I, I love this guy. So, I have a similar story. That I believe that video and a few other things had inspired me to start lifting these water buckets. Like my mom would buy like honey in those large, like five gallon uh, uh, drums, drums mm-hmm. the lid and that wire handle. So I'd fill that up. We'd finish it. And I'd, I had two of those and I filled it up with water. Didn't put the lid back on mm-hmm. just so that when I was lifting, I had to be very, you know, contr- smooth and controlled with my motion. Mm. And I would do bicep curls with that. I'd empty a little bit and I'd do side lateral raises for time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I remember my dad being adamant about my not working out until I had hit puberty. Was yeah. that a thing for you too? Yeah. Stan Efferding. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I've heard the name. He was a powerlifter, bodybuilder, or excuse me, strongman and bodybuilder, you know, which wasn't too common. Stan Efferding was addressing that and like citing some emerging science that says lifting at an early age does not stunt the growth. But I mean, that's all I heard when I was a kid. Don't lift before puberty because it's going to stunt your growth. You know, something interesting about puberty that I learned is that if you learn a second language prior to puberty, you won't have an accent. If you learn a new language after puberty, you'll always have an accent. You'll always have your maternal language accent while speaking that new language? Right. So like my wife learned English at age seven, therefore speaks English like I do. Ah. She doesn't sound like Sofia Vergara. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So Sofia Vergara, and I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but the wife, Al Bundy's wife on Modern Family, she speaks with a Spanish accent. Right? Uh, My wife does not. Did you learn Spanish? Uh, I'm learning now. Estoy aprendiendo español. Nice. But uh, I speak French fluently, and I learned that at an early age. And when I speak French, most French people say, like, it sounds like I'm French. So did you learn French in school? Yeah. Elementary school, high school. I dropped out of French in high school. (laughs) It's like, I'm never using this. And then lo and behold, (laughs) I end up going to university in Quebec. And my university was in French. Oh, like my, my classes were in French. Wow. Yeah. Like, isn't I don't it know law if I would feel, yeah. that all of the road signs and stuff have to be in both English and French? No. Uh, in Quebec? Yeah. No, their road signs are, are in French. Oh, there's no and English. In, yeah. And then when you get to, like, if you're in Ontario, road signs are in, in English. However, if you get to, like, uh, when you start to border... Uh, get close to the Quebec border, then you start to see that. The okay. English to French, like Kirkland, Cornwall, Ottawa, like Hull, like those places, you'll start to see English and French together. I know a lot of people who live in Montreal who don't even, who barely even speak French. I don't know how they do it. I mean, I, I find it, it's kind of rough. Like you're, you're going to a French-speaking province and you don't even want to learn the language. That's kind of tough. I remember when I started traveling the world in 2015, it was said that the population on earth was roughly 7 billion and that 2 billion of them spoke English. And I quickly learned, regardless of where I traveled, you could always find somebody to speak English. And I think English is the language of money. Yeah. English is the language of the internet. Yeah. There's probably some correlation there. I'm afraid because of flight travel that eventually all the world is going to speak English. Like it's almost going to be a requirement yeah. the same way that having a smartphone has become yeah, a requirement. Yeah, that's crazy. I was thinking about that the other day. Like 
at one point you could get away without having a smartphone. Now you're doing that. Your business is suffering, social life suffering because everybody has it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know anyone who has a landline right now. Well, I shouldn't say I don't know anyone who has a landline. My grandfather has a landline. There's um, one in my hotel room right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought that was weird. <laughs> you call the front desk. Could you get that out of here? It's really creeping me out. <laughs> yeah. There's this thing that keeps ringing. <laughs> You're like, I can't bring it with me? <laughs> yeah, it's also weird. Like, your significant other doesn't know that you could be working or yeah. you could be looking at instagram thoughts yeah right yeah yeah like you have to vocalize what you're doing yeah otherwise you might appear to be not paying attention who are you talking to Yeah, or that who is that who are you oh my goodness (laughs) i don't even want to get into that the way that phones are locked nowadays yeah like you unless you're using someone else's eyeballs you're not getting into that phone (laughs) i think about that like if you were to die like somebody, let's say a guy dies and his wife suspected that he was cheating. Could she go over to his dead body and like put the eyes on the phone and open it just to see if he's <laughs> been gotta be in a movie. That's got to be in a movie. I think before the eye, the face, Send royalties. Uh, <laughs> before the face ID, it was a uh, fingerprint. Remember? Yes. Yeah. That would be easy for yeah, a dead person. Fingerprint. Uh, fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah. The eyes, who knows? Imagine their eyes are just rolled in the back of their head. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I can't get this open. I'm sure there are ways around that, though. People can perform all different types of hacks. I'm sure they can They can get around. Oh, yeah. You know, when there are murder cases, they yeah, get in phones all the time. Phone, yeah. and, and Hunter Biden's texts are being read. Of course, oh, they yeah. had his laptop. But I, right. I see on Dateline people's texts read all the time. Oh. They say don't ever communicate anything you don't want everybody to read, which is a little uh, bit yeah, scary. Yeah, but it is. That's our world nowadays. Yeah, there's no such thing as privacy. <laughs> no. What's your, I'm curious, your average spend on Airbnb as you travel? Like here, what are you, what are you spending on average? We're per in month, Playa del Carmen. 15, 1500. That's your yeah. budget in your mind? Yeah. Have you, I'm had, like, yeah. have you had to increase that due to inflation in recent years? Well, last time I was here was 18. Oh, so it's gone down a little bit. Well, I mean, last, I had a private jacuzzi. Mm. <laughs> you know that story. Head on, head on. <laughs> so I'll, I'll share with listeners the story. So he puts the jacuzzi on Instagram and gets bombarded by chicks saying, like, is it big enough for two? <laughs> and then by the time she was ready to come over, it had overflowed. He had to contact the landlord <laughs> to get it fixed. I like that. Awesome. He <laughs> nailed that. Uh, yeah, so eighteen hundred last time I was here. I did have a place that was that cost me around just a little over a thousand. There was a studio, but it was a little too far. Brand new place though, brand new building. Felt like I was back in Canada, but just way too far. It was on the other side of the highway. Calle cuarenta y cuatro entre sesenta y cinco, sixty five and sixty. Wow, that is uh, far. Diagonal, yeah. So because- I would walk two times a day. I would make the travel. Because I would train in the morning and then sprint on the track in the evening. Why not get a scooter or a bike? At the time, I was like, you know what? Let me get these steps in. I was all, mm. in, you know, got this Apple Watch and mm-hmm. was like, I want to get these steps in. And I, I was nailing like 20,000 steps wow. in a day. Because I would not only would walk, do this walk, before going home in the evenings, I would walk down Kinta mm-hmm. just to see people. And it was a lot of action there, a lot of pretty women too. And then I'd walk back and go home, That's- which is why I lost so much weight. 
Quinta Avenida for you listeners. That's pretty much the Rodeo Drive of yeah. the Riviera Maya, I would yeah. say. Yeah. And Riviera Maya consists of Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, all that Yucatan Peninsula area. Uh, I, I usually take between four. 14,000 and 18,000 steps when I'm here. I can't get anywhere close to that when I'm in America. Yeah. yeah. But I have a client who has a, a treadmill desk and he gets 20,000 oh, steps. Oh, nice. So he does all his calls for work while he's walking and he says that they can't tell he's walking. Oh, wow. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I've seen those online. Speaking of online, you're pretty prolific with your Instagram. It's getting Are better. You, yeah, I, it's great. I, I love following you. Although I was telling you at breakfast, I probably only see about every fourth post, Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, it tells me that you have to pay for even your friends to see your posts, (laughs) which is how they make money. It's hard to blame them. Yeah. But are you paying for people to see your posts? Not yet. Not yet? I will. You're the second person to tell me that they're not really seeing many of my posts. So it'd be a good idea for me to pay. It's either that or just... I mean, yeah, start paying, but then directing people to like my website or directing people to my YouTube channel. YouTube is where it's at right now in terms of like with my content, a lot of my exercises with, you know, the video demonstrations with instructions, they're there. And you take one-on-one clients also? From time to time. Mm. Right now, I just onboarded uh, three new clients. Two of them are long-term. I had one who just purchased, I have what I call the one-time training plan. So you get a one-time training plan. It's it's like my lower ticketed item. So for individuals who are like, I just, I want to get something. I want to know where to start. I don't need any guidance. Just give me a meal plan and a workout program. So I don't make any adjustments to it. They get one check-in call to ask questions. You know, if they want more then. And that initial yeah. consultation, is it Zoom or Google Meet? Uh, Zoom. Okay. Zoom. And some clients are just like, call me on WhatsApp or FaceTime me. I don't like to just have every, I don't want everyone having my phone number. So zoom is the best route, but there's some people who I'm like kind of connected to two degrees of separation. They came from another client. Mm -hmm. So I saw a post recently that said, slow down your reps. Yeah. Why is that important for anybody who's looking to grow, say muscle growth? I don't want to say the word hypertrophy is too technical. I see it. A lot of the gym people just rushing through repetitions your each fiber is going to muscle fiber will exert more force when you're moving slower. If you think about muscle growth, the name of the game is time under tension, mechanical tension, force. So why not slow your repetitions down? It's very humbling too, because you'll notice that you can't really ego lifting is it's really hard when you're moving very slowly. You're saying ego, ego, ego lifting, like Like just loading. Oh yeah. Yeah, Just, throwing on a ton of weight. A lot of people can bounce and get really jerky and use momentum. Sure. When you're moving slow, you can't do that. So it's a very humbling experience. Also, this the the feedback is significantly better. You're going to feel the muscles more. You'll feel the targeted tissue more or not, right? Like let's say if you're moving around, you're too much unnecessary motion and say you're trying to work your lats, but you're feeling it all in your lower back while you're moving slow. Boom. That's the the light on the dash that that's blinking saying, hey, you're fucking up. Something's wrong. <laughs> you know, when people are moving too fast, it's hard to feel. Sure. You know, and it's easy to get hurt because if you look at a resistance profile in an exercise and not just the resistance profile, excuse me, 
someone's strength, levels of strength. If I'm rowing, there's a certain point where I'm that, let's say 25, uh, 225 pounds. I may be really strong here, 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 but not here. And he's Excuse pulling me, and I'm his rowing. arm back. Yeah. So I'm retracting or pulling my elbow back behind my body. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone doesn't control a particular range of motion, let's say it's as the arm gets a little, uh, or the shoulder blades start moving back towards the spine, mm-hmm. and they're just bouncing through the motion, it's easy for them to get caught in a position where they're weak and injure themselves there. Mm-hmm. When you're moving slow, you're really highlighting the full range of motion to see where, what you own, what you may not own, where you have to work a little bit harder. Okay. For ladies listening who like to work their lower half, they want to yeah. get a booty that sits up high. Mm-hmm. In, in what ways could they slow down their reps? Oh, okay. So the barbell hip thrust is like huge right now. That exercise, when you look at the challenge, the greatest challenge in a hip thrust or hip bridge is at the top part of the motion when the muscle is in a shortened position. So knowing that, do you want to spend more time under tension? Which means you should hold the top position a lot longer, an isometric hold. So you bridge up, right? Your hips are moving up. Your cheeks are moving together. You hold for anywhere 5, 10, even 15 second hold at the top. Do your work like that. What about squats? Squats are great. It's, it's a different challenge for the glutes. It's taking the glutes through a greater range of motion than the hip thrust. Uh, in the squat, it's like that mid-range to lower portion of that posi- of that uh, of the squat posture. The glutes are actually getting longer and longer, right? So if you look at the resistance profile there, it's when the glutes are getting stretched when they're getting when they're getting the most work. In a hip thrust, it's not when it's getting stretched; it's when it's getting shortened. So those are two exercises that you'd probably want to pair either as a superset or put them in the same workout to work your glutes. And what is a superset? A superset would be you have two exercises that you're performing with little to no break between them, right? So let's say it's the hip thrust. You did your repetitions there. You have little to no break and you get right over to your squat and perform your squat. Then you take your break and then you repeat it just like that. And can you just give us two or three sentences of what the perfect form for a squat would be? And are you supposed to squeeze your glutes at the top? I don't think it's necessary to squeeze your glutes at the top. Looks, it's, it's a bit excessive in my eyes. Squatting is a concept. There's many ways to squat and you can manipulate the environment to give you more of whatever desired result you want. An example, if you want to squat and make it quad dominant, then what you'll do is make sure that your torso stays upright. So don't allow your sternum to point down at the ground. Keep your torso upright. A great way to do that is to elevate your heels. You see a lot of people put like a five or 10 pound plate under their heels or even a wedge. Boom. You do that. It allows you to manage your center of mass better and shift back into your heels so your torso stays upright, which forces your knees to bend more. Mm. However, if you wanted to make it more of a butt-dominant exercise, a butt-dominant squat or hip-dominant squat, you would allow your torso to lean forward a little bit, which most people tend to default to anyways for lack, you know, sometimes because it's a lack of mobility, you know, at the ankles. Some of my mentors would get mad if I, that I said that, but... It's a lack, it's your inability to manage your center of mass properly. Too many people manage their center of mass forward as if they're getting ready to start walking or running. 
So if you're leaning forward and you go to squat, you only, your choice is your only choice is going to be to bend more at the hips. But if you learn to sense your heels a little bit more, it actually gets easier to stay upright when you squat. Makes sense. It all depends on what you want to develop. A lot of women who are like, hey, I want a booty and I like squats. I'll split it up. More of their volume will be in the hinge squat or no hinge squats. I just get them doing Romanian deadlifts, get them doing 45 degree hip extensions, get them doing single leg bridges, double leg hip bridges or hip thrusts with a big hold at the top. Step ups, you know, with a forward lean, that kind of stuff. Sprinting. Not everybody can sprint, though. The ones who are are able to. You've said on your Instagram, I stay in my own lane. I don't compete with anybody except for myself. I tell my guys this too, but why do you feel that's so important to compete with yourself? Great way to start celebrating, right? It's hard to celebrate when you're competing with other people. I compete with myself and I end up really tuning into what's happening in my life more than tuning into what's happening in other people's lives. I can be inspired by somebody else, but I don't want to compete with them. There's a funny post you have where the girl at the end is twerking. That one is really well done. Oh, <laughs> I'm curious, how long does it take to put a post like that together where you incorporate music and it's different scenes within one post? Yeah, I think that post might have taken me like two hours, maybe three hours. Okay, so if something takes that long, you probably also want to spend a little money for people to see it, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, coach. How does he do? I felt that, like, in a good way. Well, it's, something I've noticed, too, is that they'll tell you that if you spend X amount of money, let's say $20, that you'll be exposed to 1,500 to 2,300 people. And then you look at the stats after spending $20, you don't come close to that. Yeah. It, you, do, you usually don't break a thousand views. Yeah. And I don't know why Instagram does that where they overpromise and underdeliver. Probably, I see it all the time. <laughs> I think you probably have to spend $20 with them every single time for them to actually follow through with that, you know. I haven't heard one person tell me that when they paid for their um they paid to boost their their posts that they achieved what it was that Instagram said that they would achieve in terms of outreach. And yet we dummies keep spending money yeah. with them because you have no other choice. If there were only billboards in the world to advertise or if oh. there were only phone books, that's where you'd have to spend yeah. money, whether they lie to you or not. I don't know how you feel with other platforms like TikTok. It all depends like who's your demographic. Like true. I don't feel like a lot of people our age are, are using TikTok. TikTok. That's true. I have a client who's been on TikTok for, well, after he was on TikTok for two months, he had 11,000 followers. What TikTok has done really well is they try to get everyone to go viral at yeah. least once. Yeah. Really smart yeah. play if, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. them. You get super excited. You get hooked. Yes. And, but it's not your turn for a while. <laughs> right. Exactly. But you're still waiting. And a lot of people like, have a lot of followers. Yeah. They'll never tell you that. Instagram yeah. is similar. Yeah. I actually have a friend who went viral on uh, TikTok. Got 9 million views. Whoa. And on a booty video. Mm. He's actually, he, he's here in, in Playa right now. Mm. He had 95,000 followers on Instagram. I can't remember how many he had, how many he had on TikTok. He posted this, how to do the right booty exercises. Boom, nine mil on TikTok. And then his Instagram blew up. He's now at, like in real followers, he's at uh, 226,000 
from 95k and that happened in that happened in four months you know and his businesses has grown quite a bit beforehand it was kind of general like general population fitness i don't know if he was describing his avatar that well and now it's like i'm sure he's slammed with women who want booty programs the thing about TikTok that I believe people don't understand is they're concerned about their data being swiped oh, yeah. by TikTok. <laughs> the real problem with TikTok is the mind virus aspect of it, the yeah. way it warps our attention. Yeah. China doesn't allow their population to view the same stuff we do. Yeah. They're training them to be engineers in short clips, whereas yeah. we're looking at people's butts butts yeah yeah that should tell us something yeah well look at like only fans actually yeah <laughs> you've talked about that before <laughs> how uh, many how many people do you know who make money from only fans both my hands are, are full you like don't if have I'm counting on, no, if yeah. i'm counting yeah i don't have enough hands to wow. count that right now and like, and they do that full time i know at least five people who do that full time and how much money do they make um, one of the individuals, I did the math. She's making $36,000 a month. Oh my yeah. God. And she's just doing what her followers request of her. I would assume so. I don't know how honest like she's being yeah. <laughs> like, I've asked her like, she's not my girlfriend or anything, just a friend, never slept with her or anything. And I've asked her, uh, how many followers she has. And she showed me like, uh, she showed me her profile and then I saw how much she charges so I'm like, okay, did the math at the time and was like, wow, like she's making good money and that's all she does. Like she travels the world and. Can you imagine being someone who pays for that? Do you, have you ever talked to anybody who says, yeah, I pay for OnlyFans? Not one. I've who never. Who are these people? I don't think, I don't even know if someone would admit that. I had that conversation with a buddy the other day when we were in LA and he was like, who are these guys? <laughs> paying for only fans i know and i'm like probably the same guys who like when porn sites had like subscri- they were subscription based it's probably the, the same, same guys thing. i was thinking probably the same thing. it actually would be better for them and i was thinking about this um after listening to a podcast that was talking about how 40 within i think i'll say the month but it could have been less time than that that when covid hit forty thousand new only fans accounts were created in a very short period of time and that's content creators. Yeah. Like, so who knows? It could be adult content, whatever. But people were like, this, I'm going remote. And I'm sure a percentage of those were, you know, adult content creators, triple X adult content creators. So I saw where these the- men are able to like the difference with porn sites. Like these were like professional porn stars. You couldn't talk to them. You could leave a comment perhaps but they're not going to respond to you or anything. They're at work. That's it. Cut. Boom. They're off with their life. These OnlyFans girls or guys, they you see it like they do one-on-one conversations or chats and stuff. They're like mm-hmm. kind of like what they call uh, cam, cam girls or whatever or cam people. I don't want to just say girls because I'm sure guys do that too. But you can now have a conversation with them and it's like you're living with them. You know their story and so it's more intimate. So I could see why men or women would want to go that route and and spend money with them you know i saw where the founder in 2022 paid himself a dividend of 338 million dollars 
That's good. <laughs> for facilitating a camera on a girl. That's how the Tate brothers got wealthy, facilitating webcam girls. And now they're driving around in million-dollar McLarens. Uh, Unbelievable. Wow. And have a lot of influence now with young men because yeah. they're wealthy. Yeah. I have a client who considered renting a Ferrari and showing up at his place of work in that Ferrari and he would wear, he would have wardrobe changes to where it would look like different days because you're only renting it for 24 hours. But think about how many, if he's trying to get 16, 17 year old customers would think that's cool and spend money with him, become a client of his. Yeah. And it's a business expense. Yeah. It's show. It's crazy how people make money nowadays (laughs) online. Yeah. I mean, we came together because of, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have an Instagram. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) You feel like, uh, what do I (laughs) talk to this guy and get what? (laughs) But we enjoy each other's company. We're obviously not on our phones. Yeah. And so hopefully this is somewhat getting back to old school living. Yes, that's true. Where you have friends that you interact with in person. Yeah. Unreal, man. <laughs> Unreal. But yeah, who, if you are me. paying for OnlyFans, please contact me. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What? I was hoping that you were going in that direction when you mentioned OnlyFans just now, because I, I definitely need to listen to that episode a, a few times over. <laughs> Where are these people? Yeah. I actually have, So, oh man, I don't know how much time to have. <laughs> I got to tell this story really quickly. So I touched down in Playa my last visit. First time coming to Playa, mm-hmm. I befriend someone who I start going to the gym with, and he has OnlyFans. So for homosexual, <laughs> so, he uh, oh man, so <laughs> even mentioning this guy's name, he has OnlyFans, but he has he has women. He does like BG boy girl content on OnlyFans, but obviously he has like homosexual. He has gay clients who follow him. Um, but he has interactions with him and women. So he tells me like he's in, when he first started, he was making some really good money, but he dealt with kind of like a, an identity crisis just because people, he went from doing one thing, a particular employment that had nothing to do with showing his genitals or having sex online to then now doing that, making really good money, like 16 K a month doing that for like four or five months. And then he people knew him as that guy who did only fans not what he was doing beforehand and he said it crushed him for a while so he kind of backed off of that and then focused on his you know his first business and that's where he is right now but um so anyways i was going to the gym with him for a bit and i get this a message on instagram one day from an account when he mentioned the name and they were like hey amazing build on you you know, you seem like a popular guy in the gym. Would you be interested in doing OnlyFans content? You know, I, to which I responded, no, thanks. You know, I'm not interested. And he was like, you know, it could be pretty lucrative. Uh, you know, and I'm just like, how lucrative? He goes, uh, I think he said like 200 USD. I'm like, buddy, no, <laughs> thank you. Like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, some more time goes by, sends me another message. Hey, are you sure you don't want to do it? And I said, no, no, thanks. And he goes, why don't you take a look at our profile? So I go and look and it's, it's men, homosexual men. So I'm like, Hey, I have no interest in homoerotic 
uh, experiences. Thank you very much. Have a great day. He hits me up maybe like two or three months later. Hey, I'll pay you 600 USD to do one shoot. And I would probably want to have you in multiple shoots. And I'm like, buddy, no, thank you. And then he just says, okay, well name your price. So I jokingly send him a, a, a picture of twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> I, I wouldn't and do it for twenty. He, yeah, oh, definitely wouldn't. So he's like, uh, I mean, straight set. Goes, <laughs> As a single man, yeah. I wouldn't do it on OnlyFans. No, no, way. no. So Sorry he's not he, he, okay. So show him the twenty k, and he's like, definitely like your your. We can't pay for that. You know, so I'm like, all right, good. <laughs> he unfollows me. I get back to Playa, whatever, October third. I believe it was like October fifth or sixth. That same account adds me again. And I see the account. And I'm just laughing inside. I'm like, oh, my gosh, whatever. Going about my business. I go back to my phone, you know, a few hours later, they sent me a message. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I can't remember what they, they wrote something in Spanish. And I just responded, hey, what's up? Just hoping you went broke. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, the offer still stands. Like, we have to have you. I just saw you at the gym the other day. Like, you look bigger, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we could put, a, if you're worried about people knowing it's you, we could put a mask on you and do body paint and stuff. And oh I'm like, I'm okay. And he's like, please just name your price. But what about so, my micro penis? <laughs> <laughs> what about my baby dick? <laughs> I have a baby carrot. Does that matter? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, there's, I'm not doing that. There's no, there's no chance, my friend. That's one thing that's happened with OnlyFans or whatever, where people have tried to ask me about that. Then I've had three requests from women to be on their OnlyFans having sex with them. And I just had to explain, like, listen, I've spent all this time in my life building this, my reputation. To go and do that, I'll be remembered as that guy who did that. That's the way it works. You could do the greatest things in life or whatever, and then... You hurt one person really bad or kill someone, you're known as the murderer. You know what I think about is if you die young, yeah, you're always remembered as the person who died. So when I was a senior in high school, my class took a trip here to Cancun, yeah. actually. And one of the girls on senior trip died. And whenever anybody refers to her, it's the girl who died. Oh, wow. I have a buddy or a guy that I played college baseball with, Zach Murray, rest in peace, brother. He just died a few weeks ago. And so the rest of our lives, yeah. he's the guy who died. Who died, the guy who died. You ever think about that? No, until now. Isn't that like, interesting? Yeah. I. That's what, one day this guy said, uh, like this guy said, one day this guy said, this gentleman's name was Omar. He lived in Edmonton, Alberta. He still lives there. Very I looked at this guy as one of the smartest people I know. And one day he said something that threw me off guard with all of the science that he preached and stuff. And he was in the fitness industry, worked at the University of Alberta. And he, he said, we mean we're nothing. We don't, we're little blips in the existence of whatever this is. He's Which like, planes make it easier for us to realize that, don't you yeah, think? Yeah. Like throughout 99.9% .9 of human history, they never got up that high to see what we look like down there. Yeah. But even skyscrapers look tiny when you're up in a plane. Yeah. So it really makes us feel insignificant. And it's, yeah, that's like a, I guess you'd say like a microcosm of, of that. And it's, 
I started thinking about that. And then when you just mentioned the person who died, it's like it starts and it stops somewhere. That's it. And not only that, it's they say a generation for the next generation, they'll barely remember you. Two generations, your pictures probably won't even be on the wall. The house that you left for, you know, your next, they may have sold it already. And it's like it's 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 all gone. The money doesn't come with you, none of that. So when you think about it, it's like you better live at this time. Enjoy you it. Better enjoy Absolutely. it. And if you don't enjoy it, you better do do something. <laughs> do something that makes you at least feel like you come alive. Because Can you name any Mayans? Can you name any no, Aztecs? No. Entire civilizations have yeah. gone in extinct. Well, yeah. they're still around, a few of them. But Alexander the Great, I mean, do we even know his name? I, I don't know his name. Me neither. Jesus Christ only lived to 33. <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. I feel like every year's a Holy bonus <laughs> beyond 33. <laughs> or I feel like... God damn, I need to do something with yeah, my life. Yeah. He accomplished that much so, in 33 years? Exactly. So all of this, like what we said in the last uh, few sentences here, is one of the things that, like when I get up in the AM, I think about that. Like, let me make today, like, let me make this shit count. You yeah. Know? One of the things that's hard, though, is they, they talk about living your life like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, you really can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> right? You just have to play I the odds. <laughs> if you've lived to 40, the likelihood that you live to 70 is really, really high. Yeah. So if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, you'd spend all day telling your loved ones how much you love them. I like to tell the story about the, the guy who was on the plane that ran into one of the towers oh. on 9-11. When he knew that he had no future, he called his wife. His wife was a school teacher, and he left a voicemail saying, baby, I I absolutely love you. I want you to do fun things in life. Tell your parents the same. Tell my parents the same. I'll see you when you get here. And that resonates with me so much, because if I were in the same position, one, I would hope that I had the same peace and calm that he had. Mm -hmm. But secondly, when you know that there's no future beyond the next 30 seconds. All that's left is relationships. And you can express to your significant other or your closest loved ones how much you love them. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I'd probably say the same thing. I absolutely love you. What yeah. more can you do in that moment? Wow. And so when, when I set goals with my clients, relationships are the priority. And I think you've got to be deliberate in that regard. You've got to be the one who initiates meetups and things like that. Because most people don't do the reflecting that we're even doing right now to realize how important relationships are in this life. Yeah, Like I even think about the fact that we're about the same age. We were born within a, a few years of each other. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, (laughs) You know, that we existed at the same time And we remember, we were talking about earlier, the Cosby show. So when we tested our equipment, I said, jamming on the one, jamming on the one. And I said, do you know what that's from? It's from the Cosby show. (laughs) We both know the Cosby show. We lived through Bill Cosby being a hero. Oh, to his downfall. To his downfall. Right. So it's, it's just pretty cool that in all the span of human history that we happened to be on the earth and saw the same television shows and things like that. I mean, it, it binds us together in a way. Yeah, that is true. And so as far as people dying young, you just kind of hope that everybody dies at the same time because it would kind of suck to be 82 and you've had to go to 
82 funerals. Yeah, that's, I feel like, like my grandfather is 87. Wow. And like I was spending time with him in New York and just listening to his stories. And then I'd say like, where is he or where is she? It's like, oh, they passed away. They passed away. They passed away. Oh, I used to hang out with this woman. She was amazing. You know, we go walk down the street. Where is she? Oh, she died. You're like, okay. It really starts to set in for you. Like, and in this case, my grandfather, where it's like, oh, my friends are passing away. I know what's next. And, yeah, you know, it just, it does something to you. I, would you, would you want to live forever though? It depends on your physicality, right? If, yeah. if you could be. Like the right way now, you look yeah, now, look. yeah. <laughs> but one thing I want to ask is, is when you were on last, you said you were going through a selfish phase in life. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking this question because one of the ways to live forever, they say, is to reproduce. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, that, that it sounds about right. Have you thought about how many kids you want when you're 75? Four or eighty-seven. Uh, I I think one kid, one child would be good. One yeah. kid would be good. Any idea when you'll start? Started yesterday. <laughs> I'm kidding. Practicing I'm anyway. <laughs> Not starting. Practice don't count. I was, Man, we talking about practice. <laughs> Terrell Owens. <laughs> We're here having a podcast, and you want to talk about practice? <laughs> about was that Terrell Owens? Uh, or was it Iverson? AI? Yeah, yeah. Which AI has a new meaning now. Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Alan Iverson, the answer. Um, yeah, I'd say like a year from now. Last year, me and the whole relationship thing, I was, you know, getting out of whatever, two years removed from a six-year-long relationship. And I was six years long. is that's, that's a serious amount of time to commit with someone. When I got out of that, it was like, hey, let me just go through the selfish phase and do my own thing, have fun. And I wasn't looking for anyone. I would meet people here and there, but I just wasn't interested in in locking anything in because I felt like I had a lot of work to do on self. And I'm still there. Like I realized the work's never done. But I've been I've met some people who I'm like, hmm, I feel like you could be <laughs> like a a sure shot, you know. Like I would be proud to see you know this person, you know roll over next to them in the morning kind of thing, raise a child with them. So I just haven't put a stamp on put it, a, put a stamp on it, you know, cause I'm, I'm here, I'm in LA, I'm in Miami, I'm in Toronto, I'm in, you know, Vernon or Kelowna, British Columbia bouncing around quite a bit. So I'm just going to bounce around for another year, try and slow things down a bit and not spend months in Miami, months in LA, just try and make them like these weekend long or two week long trips and root somewhere because I think that's the biggest issue is I haven't decided on where my roots are going to be. Are they here in Playa or do I want to, you know, go back to the city where I was for 13 years? Have you ever seen a beautiful woman here and beat yourself up later that you didn't go introduce yourself? Yes. Does that happen a lot? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll tell on myself right now, I don't have what they call the Riz. That's like the new or I don't know if you could say it that way, but riz is like a term meaning like you can riz someone, like you can pick them up or they'll say, oh, you got the riz. Like you have game, like yeah, a new word for game. Yeah. I don't really have game like that. It's just 
the way I meet women is just very, very organic. You meet people. Um, yeah, I'm so not like, a, oh, I got and- lines in my head and I'm going to, I just, if she's beautiful. That's great. Slim chance I'm going to go up to her and start chatting with her. But if we're walking right by each other and we exchange a smile, then it's game on. And then it just happens organically. Or if we bump into each other or she drops something and I help her pick, her up, pick it up or, you know, that kind of thing. She asked me to help her at the gym. Boom. You know, quick conversation. And then we see each other outside. It's on. But I'm not like, oh, my gosh, she's so hot. OK, I got to go over there and talk to her. Mm. If that's happened, it's been few and far between. Have I missed out? Probably. <laughs> well, I feel like you could console yourself in that you live in such a such a transient place that you could say, oh, well, she was probably going to be gone next week anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to one of my guys recently about American women. People are, are down on American women right now. I'm yeah. sure you've heard. Passport bros are saying. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the whole passport bro thing, like find a woman outside of, you know, America. America, yeah. Yes. The upside of American women is that they will give you that deer in headlights look when they're interested. Mm, so yes. if they lock eyes with you, that's your indicator Yeah, that you can go talk to them. Let's say you're in Romania or Czech Republic. You won't get that eye contact, that deer in headlights look. But when you do talk to them, there's immediate polarity like the, of the masculine and feminine, like they'll bite their lip, they'll look down, they'll giggle. Yeah, which American women don't do. Yeah, so it's, it's I've been to Czech Republic. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking it, about. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's pros and cons. Yeah, uh, man, I could talk about that stuff all day. But but with <laughs> eye contact, this is another thing I I tell guys is that a woman in America knows whether or not you're looking at them. Therefore, they don't need to give you that deer in headlights look. Like, they don't need to look at you directly in the eye to know that you're looking at them because their peripheral vision is so good. Yeah. It's the same reason that a woman can see another woman's cleavage and say, oh, that's a nice dress. Whereas men have to look down at the cleavage mm. because our peripheral vision yeah. isn't so good. So, if a woman looks at you, young men, know that they are being deliberate about that. Yeah. And so they will think you're stupid or uninterested if you don't go talk to them, if they lock eyes with you, because yeah. they could look three feet to your left yeah. if they wanted to and still see you perfectly clear in a way that you couldn't to them. Yeah. Uh, Interesting, huh? Cite this source. <laughs> Where did you? 25 like years of bachelorhood. <laughs> I'll also say, since we're on the topic, I had a girlfriend for six and a half years. Yeah. We broke up on December 3rd. She spent Christmas with another man. Oh, wow. And so I've seen this debate recently as to whether or not men get over women faster than women get over men. No chance. Women move on so quickly. Yeah. You know why that is, right? (laughs) So in in human history... Women have been conquered right. a lot. Yeah. Right? I, I say this a lot, but t- police forces are only 200 years old. Right. So if you read about Genghis Khan and the making of the modern world, when Genghis Khan wanted a woman or somebody from his tribe as they galloped on horses across the Asian continent, they didn't court a woman. Yeah. They killed dudes Kill and took those women yeah. and then had families with them. 
And so throughout the course of human history, that's the way it worked. Women had to adapt to new men quickly. Right. So uh, this makes way too much sense. Doesn't it? Wow. It's it's crazy. And and so how long would it take for us to rewire our hard wiring? Right. It's not going to be 200 years. Yeah. It's going to be thousands and thousands of years. The now I thought is what if you had many women and As you just lost one? Then it's like no skin off your back. Well, that's happening I'm get too. shot for that comment. But I'm just thinking in terms of like men who have many wives. And I'm also thinking about, uh, I was listening to this, these po- actually it wasn't a podcast. It was on YouTube. And it was a couple talking about dating. And he'd made mention to like this polyamorous lifestyle and how it, you don't ever want to root or connect too hard with a woman. You know, um, like whatever you're together, so on and so forth, but you never want to get attached to her because in the event where she leaves, you are going to be a mess. Mm. And he said, one of the best ways to get around that is that you have like a harem, so to speak. So when one woman's gone, it's like, you're okay because you weren't depending on her so much. Right. So so women have rosters running in the back of their mind at all times, not deliberately, but it is so exceedingly rare that a woman will break up with a man and not have another man lined up. 1,000%, I believe that. You're not going to sit no. alone at their apartment and brood all no. day. I had this conversation with a young lady just yesterday. <laughs> you know, she was telling me like, you know, I, uh, I don't know why, but it's tough for me to be alone. And, you know, when I was looking at kind of her relationship, uh, uh, just what's taking place, like, chronology like from one boyfriend to the next to the next and you're like when you left that guy you went right away to this guy and it's like hmm yeah it's not deliberate but that roster is always running and that's due to the course of human history i mean they they needed someone to protect and provide for them right. you don't just rewire your brain in in to account for modernity it doesn't yeah. work like that yeah. You know, we're talking about the last 50 years or so where women could provide for themselves. Yeah. So I, I, I wonder what the future holds. I hope it's I not mean, androgyny, it's... but the author, the British author Charles Murray talks about the down, the decline and fall of civilizations or empires throughout history has always been accompanied by gender confusion. Interesting. And that's happening now. I think if, 500 years from now, they're showing clips from early 21st century. One of the ones they'll show is from Biden saying the other day that we're the United States of America, for Christ's sake. We can fight more than one war. The decline and fall of the Roman Empire, not only was there gender confusion, but they were spread too thin, fighting wars on too many fronts. Right. Interesting. It's nuts. I got to get a hold of some of the stuff that you're reading. Happy to share, my man. (laughs) Happy to share. Have you thought about starting your own gym here? No. Not. Have you thought about investing here at all? Yes. And why don't you? I'm going to travel. I'm going to head out to a few other Latin American countries and see what's happening over there. Um, There's a couple reasons why. I don't know if this is it. So... How do you think about charging people different rates based on the economy where they're from? Like, could you charge a local here 
as much as you charge someone from Ontario? No. You'd have no. to charge different rates. Yeah. Like my rates from last year I was charging for if when someone wanted a pri- private sessions, I didn't do one-offs because I'm a huge fan of like, you show me commitment, I can show you commitment. If you came to me and said, hey, I need a program. Well, when I design this program, first, I'm, I'm gathering as much information as possible. And then I sit down and I work towards developing this program. And it's taken me years to get to that point where it no longer takes me two months or it never took me two months, but it used to take me six, seven days to design a program. Now it'll take me less time, but it's because I got, I've gotten better at it and I have certain systems in place, but I've spent a lot of money on, on these things. But anyways, I put time into it and I pay acute attention to detail. And then I design this program. If I sell it to you for like $200, but it's taken me five hours, I'm not getting paid. Like, it's not a lot. I'm getting paid like $9 an hour kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I know my value. I'm not going to to Re- shift it. Regardless of where you are? So you have yeah. to charge a Mexican the same amount that you would someone well, from This Canada? is what I would do. Uh, I would, Instead of doing one-on-ones, I would offer group training. Okay. So that way it's cheap. Like they they still get me, yeah. but not in the same environment. Instead of it being one-on-one, it's now four or five people and they're splitting they're splitting that rate. Do you think COVID harmed people's interpersonal skills? Yeah. You, you notice less eye contact? Yeah. And- I've noticed it a bit in myself because there was a period of time when we had shutdowns in Canada. It was just myself and my girlfriend at the house and even our contact, <laughs> like it had changed too. We were always around each other. The dynamics of the relationship were really weird. It became like, felt like she was my roommate. Instead of, you know, my my partner, my girlfriend. I think COVID affected us in ways we still haven't realized. Yeah. And it's going to continue for years and years, unfortunately. I mean, I think it really pushed. Social media became a big thing. Like the Instagrams, the Twitters, the all of that stuff, like just blew up. Even podcasts. Yeah. That's where the attention went. And it was, I mean, you couldn't go to someone's house. I remember in Canada, you would get a fine. If you had more than two people in your place, you know, and people would be online like you're such my neighbor's such a rat. I had people over just to come collect some goods. And then the police showed up and I got a $1,300 fine, Wow! you know, <laughs> and cannabis is legal. But uh, you show up at a <laughs> at a family gathering and someone's getting arrested <laughs> just because you're not allowed to have more than two people <laughs> in your house. Unreal. Do you yeah. think telling a young man not to look at pornography is unrealistic nowadays? How young? Teenager. They're going to, yeah. I've been in pornography. I look at it now and I'm like, it's not, it's not healthy. I don't think it's healthy. It's nice to look at, but it's not healthy. It really messes with your mind, with your expectations, with your levels of excitability, I don't even want to go into the whole dopamine thing. I'll just say levels of excitability and arousal. It's like you're, you can easily turn something on and search for what exactly you want. But then when you're with your mate, your partner, I'm sure you love them and everything. And there's something that is very attractive about them, but I bet you don't look for them when you're looking at porn. So then all of a sudden you're now attracted to something else. And that becomes the, your new conscious response is I'm aroused when I look at porn 
not I'm super, I'm very aroused at that same level when I look at my, my significant other, you know, and maybe even the quality of the category of porn you're looking at, it's probably more taboo than what you experience with your partner. And then that's a different conversation that just makes things even worse. I had a buddy tell me one time he doesn't look at porn because he doesn't want to have to put his he- his wife's head in the toilet to get turned on. <laughs> <laughs> I met a girl who was into that. <laughs> Did you know Victoria's Secret is bringing sexy back? They're going to revert to what they were doing before where they have good-looking women oh, and not right. this inclusivity. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it worked for them before, right? I don't know what happened. They're shutting stores down, so I'm assuming this inclusivity <laughs> thing wasn't working for them. Right. Before we do fun questions, yeah. I asked a couple of buddies who I know are fans of yours if they had oh, any awesome. questions. And Jared Parfait said he's kind of obsessed with the athlete mindset. Ah. And he wanted to know what it was like growing up to become an elite athlete. And specifically, the people that, that surrounded you in life that were either there to encourage or discourage you. And how did your peers view you? Specifically, he wants to Same know the people that surrounded you in life. Okay. If you could talk about those who were there to encourage you and those who discouraged you. So easy. that one's easy. My biggest fan and supporter is my oldest sister. One of my sisters, Abby. She supported me like nobody else, like showed up to my track meets. She would even tell stories about my track meets. And she's a really good storyteller. So I'd listen to them over and I'm like, wow, like she was super excited to see me race. That's such a compelling story. Wouldn't that bring self-inflicted pressure to have more than one child? I think about all that I learned yeah. from being the younger brother. Yeah. And I only have a daughter now, but I feel some self-inflicted pressure to have more children. More children. Or you could always maintain your youthfulness and be that, not only be the father, but also... Mentor. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But yeah, my sister did a lot for me. She was the sprinter before, before me. And I actually wanted to, I got involved in track and field because I saw how much she enjoyed it. And I would actually go and watch her race. And it was like, wow, this is huge. Like track and field in in Toronto was a big thing. People would skip school to go to the track meets. The the stadiums are packed. You know, everyone's watching the races when the gun goes. They're chatting when the, you know, during the the rounds, but then they're, they're watching when the gun goes off. And it was just crazy. It was like you were, like you were a Hollywood actor or actress that's what it it seemed like same thing with my brother he was four years older than me and although he wasn't the star he was kind of like a borderline all-star yeah i still got to see the studs on the all-star teams and so i could project i want to be as good as ronnie lacy when i'm 12 yeah the stud on their team yeah yeah and ronnie lacy just for i know there are some listeners who know that name his nephew now is a wide out for lsu he's a wide receiver uh, okay stud but nice. stud family <laughs> so yeah sister was a big uh supporter how about discourage discourage they say like my mom wasn't a big fan like i got held off of track teams once because of my grades like my mom was like you're not doing any sports boom cut you mm. from track this is when i first started really getting interested in the sport Mm -hmm. so i was like delayed by a year (laughs) that's okay i learned my lesson scholastics are important Uh, she didn't come to too many of my track meets i know she came to three three out of like you know maybe 30 40 track meets so i had a family Uh, member too when i was about 12 tell me you think you're this star athlete and you're not yeah and i was like well i can't believe you would tell me that one 
Secondly, what makes you think that I think that I'm a star athlete? Like I, I always kind of considered myself to be a, a humble guy. Like, yeah. But in that moment, that person was just hating. Yeah, yeah. You could feel that hate. I my second cousin once asked me. I was just having my coming out party in track and field. It was like the guy that would just be there, but then I then became the guy that you would look for. Like crap, he's here. EJ's here at the fucking track meet. Damn, <laughs> you know, like this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, Around that time, I remember my one of my cousins, who's well to do. He, or he was, he was giving me some money this day. <laughs> he gave me like fifteen hundred bucks. You know, I was like, "Here you go, like take care of yourself." By the way, are you enjoying this track and field stuff? And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Are you winning?" And I wasn't. And he's like, Cause, "You know, if you're not winning, like, what are you doing it for?" Wow. And I remember being like, "But I took that." I'm like, "I'm gonna go win." And funny enough, I made my first national team like months after that. And he came to watch. Hmm. Yeah. He had a, the Porsche Carrera. He drove it from like Oakville, Ontario, all the way to Sherbrooke, Quebec. Hmm. And then the following year, I was a student at that university. It's funny. They'll tell you things that would get under their skin, but they yeah. don't realize how tough-minded you are, yeah. how resilient you are, yeah. or that you're going to flip that and use it as motivation. Yep. Because they would be beat down by what they're saying. Therefore, they're using yeah. it against you. But it doesn't work, buddy. Oh, don't try no, that. It definitely didn't work. How were your parents treated because of your accomplishments, positive and negative? I don't think many people knew. Like many people around her knew. I don't think she talked about it. I don't know. What about your peers? Peers, same thing. Like I was around a lot of other, a lot of athletes. So it wasn't like my girlfriend at one point, she was our national, the, she was the fastest woman in Canada. And then two of my teammates were the fastest 400 meter runners in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we were always together. So it just felt normal. <laughs> Like, you know, no one got like the outstanding treatment. It was just, hey. This is Brad. We had a minor audio error, but started to discuss the LGBT community. And that's where the conversation picks up. You know how prevalent that is now? (laughs) So in the Ivy Leagues, it's it's somewhere around 40% of Columbia University students claim to be LGBTQ+. No way. The lowest at the Ivy Leagues is Princeton with 21% self-proclaimed LGBTQ plus SC4, 96Y square. Hut on three. Hut. It's nuts, man, but that's a victim status you can get that's non-falsifiable. So they're trying to get it. Oh, wow. But supposedly only... Two to three percent of the population is homosexual or transvestite, or yeah, I don't know. I have, a, I have one of my best friends. She's she is queer, and like before. Sorry, what does that mean, queer? You don't know, huh? No. <laughs> I had a pansexual on the podcast. Yeah, get this. She decided at nineteen years old that she wasn't having kids because of climate change. Oh, thousands of years of an unbroken chain to her and she decides it stops with me because of climate change how about that (laughs) also a pansexual what the hell's a pansexual you can't say you're gay anymore and get attention people are like oh you're gay so what yeah oh but i'm pan oh you're pan how you're so interesting tell me more yeah i I don't know i have to do my research i don't know 
much about that. Well, you said queer and not gay or lesbian yeah. or bisexual, so I'm wondering, like, well, what does queer what is mean? Queer? I should know, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do fun questions. Yeah. <laughs> is not wanting something just as good as having it? Is not wanting something. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. When's the last time you spoke to God? And by speak, it's not like not an not out loud. Uh, yeah. No. This morning. And what'd you say to him? Thank you. I'm the same way. You know, just it's Gratitude. like a feeling. Like I, I, I rise from from bed and I'm like, yes. Ditto. Yes, and it's like some someone else is there with me, kind of thing. That's the feeling that I get. <laughs> Having God on your side is huge. Yeah. It has gotten me through some seriously tough times. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, likewise. <laughs> there's there's a reason that he's the focal point of 12-step programs. Yeah. It just makes so much sense uh, to me. Yeah. And there's a reason that everyone who runs to be the president of America says that they believe in God, whether they do or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best kettlebell exercise if, if you had one that you could do only? Uh, diagonal swings. So we all know the kettlebell swing, mm-hmm. both hands going between the legs. I would do one kettlebell in the kettlebells being held in one hand and you perform like a curtsy step back mm-hmm. and swing the, the swing the kettlebell across the body and then over to the other side. So you're bending your knee to do a curtsy? Yeah, yeah. bend the knee to do a curtsy. Kettlebell goes excuse me, kettlebell goes back across the body towards like the hip. Mm-hmm. And then as you swing it up, it goes up in the air across to the same side shoulder. I'll post it. Cool. I'll post that exercise. I like that. I actually have, a, have it on my phone. Show it to you before I leave. Very cool. Uh, but that's a great exercise. I believe working that kind of diagonal motion and having this opposites, having the opposites coordinate is very rich for the brain. So does a lot of cool things. It forces like the pelvis to lateralize, to move side to side. And that's what happens when you're walking. You're not going to get that if you're doing a, a parallel stance squat or parallel stance deadlift. But there's something very special about movements where you're having to move side to side or move across the body. Is fast walking just as good as a light jog? Just as useless? i think that's a good enough answer (laughs) which is better though if you had to say i'm kidding (laughs) kind of uh i would say just walk fast just walk fast it's easier on your joints just walk fast and then learn how to run fast and how many steps a day should we be getting Twelve thousand steps it's like a happy number i i know some who are extremists who say 15 and others who are even suggesting 8,000 to 10,000 steps. I tend to tell a lot of people 12, 15, eh, if you can. Which pro sports team do you root for? None. None? No teams. I don't watch, I don't watch team sports anymore. Good for um, you. That saves a lot of time. Yeah. I do watch, like this weekend, I will be watching the UFC. Like, I'm a huge fan of mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. so I watch those events. I used to watch the whole card, but because of time, like, it's a real commitment to sit there and watch all these matches. Mm-hmm. So I will watch, like, the co-main and the main event, and then I usually just get the highlights of the 
the previous fights, the prelims and stuff, or I'll just look at who won and how, because it is pretty time consuming to take all these. It seems rare to me that there's an even match. Like the odds on these MMA fights always seem to be like minus 450 to win 100. Yeah. But there have been some serious upsets like in the last probably like five to ten. Like that's a big jump. Say like five UFC cards. What's the biggest upset lately? Uh, Sean Strickland beating Israel Adesanya for the 185-pound title. Any idea what the odds were on that? No, but no one, everyone thought it was Joe Rogan hyping the fights because he's really good at doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the fight of the century, you know, but the champion just destroys the challenger. <laughs> and then at the end, it's like Joe Rogan saying, well, you know, there was never really a chance. <laughs> I'm kind of being, that was a bit hyperbolic, but it, it always kind of sounds that way. And then you watch Sean Strickland's fights and your his previous fights. And you're like, he's a tough guy, really weird defense but izzy is just seems like he'll outclass him and then he gets beat (laughs) let me ask you this if i gave you a hundred thousand dollars yeah and said you had to invest it in one of three companies amazon apple or tesla where would you put the money considering i've been seeing these cemeteries filled with like tesla vehicles that have just imploded i'm not gonna go there no Uh, shit yeah i'm gonna go with so you wouldn't test you wouldn't trust a self-driving tesla i take it no saw a video of the uh, tesla in china that just bear a lot of control just picked up speed went through i can't remember like a dozen blocks then Mm -hmm. eventually crashed into a uh, a daycare center killed the driver and a young girl oh my and these apparently these teslas are just blowing up i'm gonna go with apple Warren Buffett's portfolio consists of about 46% Apple stock. Yeah. That's You know something. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's exactly. <laughs> if Michelle Obama were to run for president in the U.S., do you think she'd get elected? Do I think he would get, I'm mean, sorry, she would get elected. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people listening who will laugh at what you just said. Because there's, there's like a conspiracy theory that she is a he. That she's a he. Oh, dear. And that Barack is gay. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, I've heard about that. Have you watched that interview with the fellow who said he had sex with Barack Obama? <laughs> you haven't seen it? I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you watch it and decide whether he's telling the truth or not. But it's credulous. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Did he like describe it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In detail. It's not pretty. It was in the Oval Office. No, it was prior it's to like the Oval of Office. But supposedly, Michelle was just snapped by the paparazzi on a yacht in the Mediterranean with Tom Hanks and a few other people. And evidently, she hasn't been seen with Barack Obama since that interview aired. That's what I read. I don't think she'd win. No? No. Would you rather have Justin Trudeau or Gavin Newsom as your president? Next question, please. Uh, you when's the last time you drove a vehicle <laughs> uh, I honor my guest's wishes what month was that I left here July late July and how long had it been since you drove 2008 oh my goodness yeah. what was that like 
I was nervous. You were nervous? Yeah. Were, were the cars moving fast around Yeah, you? the cars are moving fast. <laughs> I believe it. When I, when I was traveling the world, my dad would store my car at his house, and, and he'd pick me up from the airport, and I would drive, and I felt like a seven-year-old, like, oh, my God, these cars are going to hit me. They're going yeah, so fast yeah. around me. <laughs> yeah, driving is like interpersonal skills. Like, you need practice. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. <laughs> but it's got to be great to not have a car. You don't. You not only don't have the expense, but think about how much more exercise you're getting. And how I feel you like feel. that's why I feel the way I do, because I'm I'm walking everywhere. I get the steps in. Makes sense. You know, say 41 years old. Like I believe I'm holding quite a bit of muscle mass. Like I'll say, yeah. Like I'm not a slob. You know, I I, I can move. I can sprint. So a lot of things I could I can go out there and play a sport, have fun, you know, last long. And I think walking is a large part of that. Is a large reason why I'm still moving the way that I move. And you know, the average car payment is something like six, seven hundred dollars nowadays. Yeah. Think about since oh eight how much money you've saved, not just on car payments, but gas, insurance. Yeah. How many really other lives up. I've saved by not driving? <laughs> <laughs> right? Or disputes with buddies like you drive, no, I'm yeah, driving, yeah. you drive, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I know so many people who don't like to drive. I was just in Miami, and my buddy has a, a really nice Rolls Royce Cullinan, and he's like, "I don't want to drive." Mm. He's like, "I actually want to pay someone to drive us around." Do you, you know? feel that that makes sense? My wife and I share a car right now. Yeah. It's cheaper because when I want to go somewhere that she's not going, like to the gym, I'll take an Uber. And when you add up the Uber costs over the course of a month, it's way less than yeah. what a car payment would be, much less insurance and gas and everything. And there you go. If given the opportunity to travel anywhere in the world for the month of November, so for the entire month, where would you go? Cost is not an issue. Portugal. You've been before? Never. I'm surprised you'd say that because that's kind of easy to get to. As far as Europe goes, that's yeah. the closest country. I don't like to fly. Oh, really? See, yeah. I do. I went to Australia. Mm -hmm. It took forever to get there. You know, and I, I, I traveled from Montreal, did Montreal, LA. So that was like six hours. And then LA to New Zealand was 13 hours. And then New Zealand to Australia, Auckland to Melbourne was four and a half. By the time I got there, I was like, I'm not leaving. I don't care what's happening. I know my exit date was a month from then, but even that, I was like, it took me forever to get here. And I'm just disgusted thinking about hopping on that plane, mm. sitting down for that many hours. I had the worst cankles. <laughs> my ankles were swollen for like seven days. My feet hurt. Do you look at a woman's ankles when you're considering dating her? Yeah. I look, actually, I look at her ankles and knees. What about arms? Not as much. Not as much. I mean, what you see in the ankles and knees, I, I've looked at arms before and they lied to me. Really? The arms looked really good. And then I looked at the ankles and knees and it's like, oh. Interesting. Sounds really shallow. <laughs> we all have our superficialities. Yeah. Both male and female. Yeah. But there, I, there are, I mean, my preference is like fit, slender. I've even liked skinny, like model type but then i also have like thick big maybe thick even a little bit chunky i hate that chunky but tiny waist mm -hmm. the, the the one thing in common is the waist has to be tiny small in yeah, comparison to yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you could live forever but retain the look of, say, an 85-year-old, would you do it? No. No. Would you live to... Actually, sorry, no. <laughs> Excuse me. And retain the look of an, 80, an attractive 85-year-old. You would sure. take that? Yeah. <laughs> Let's play... And the, the mobility... Of uh, the mobility of a 60-year-old, at least, or a 50-year-old. It's important. If I can't move at 85, no thanks. Yeah. If I'm not moving well, I don't want to be living like that. Would you rather have a gold medal at 20 years old or half a million dollars? Half a mil. I mean, you could potentially leverage that gold medal, but gold medal in what? Sprinting. I'll go with the money. Let's play word association. So tell me the first word or phrase that comes to mind when I say the following. Okay. Dating in 2023. Troublesome. Justin Trudeau. Not a, uh, hmm. two words, not a fan. (laughs) Three words, excuse me. Life before the internet. Simple. Seeking wisdom. Mentor. Drug legalization. Morality, question mark. Mm, marijuana. <laughs> Questions. Internet pornography. Trap. Donald Trump. Polarizing. <laughs> What's been your favorite part of recording this episode today? The connection. <laughs> connection. Very good. How can people find you online? Instagram, at the real Coach Pow. YouTube, the real coach pow forget the other platforms i'm really trying i I don't want to stretch myself out too thin i was trying to do that and just felt a bit overwhelming trying to be on tiktok and this here and there right now instagram youtube get on those things in in due time you'll be able to you'll find out how you get a hold of me in other areas you know whether it be i'm traveling to your city or the new website so and if someone wanted to hire you tomorrow, what would be the best way to get you quickly? Would they DM you at the Real Coach Pal on Instagram? Indeed, Very DM good. me at the Real Coach Pal. Uh, not everybody. I'll say this: not everyone who applies to work with me gets that opportunity. Not to sound like a dick or anything. No, there's only so many like, hours in the exactly, day. Exactly, and I like to protect my time. I don't want to waste my time or yours. Um, giving you any false hopes or anything like that, or acting like I can be that individual who you want me to be, I'm going to be me and I'm going to deliver the services the way that I deliver them. So hit me up. I think I'm pretty pers- I'm fairly personable. I like to ask questions and we just go from there. I have programs or excuse me, products, services, programs for, for different budgets. So, you know, that's something that I've been working on recently to make myself a little bit more accessible. So, yeah. Very good. His his stuff is high quality content. I follow him on Instagram and there's a reason I invited him back a second time because many listeners contacted me and said they really enjoyed when I had Coach Powell on the first time. So thank you for coming, brother. Yes, I appreciate thank it. Thank you very much for having me. Listeners, I appreciate you listening. I don't have a show without you. I never take it lightly that you've chosen to spend your time with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please copy the link and send it to a friend. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, folks. Thank you.